Tēnā koea, mai, haere mai, my name is Will Appleby and welcome to Animal Matters. Today on the show, I'm chatting with Dr. Heather Hendrickson, who is a senior lecturer in molecular bioscience at Massey University and the vice president of the New Zealand Microbiological Society. In short, Dr. Hendrickson is an expert in microbiology, like bacteria, and how we treat that bacteria with antibiotics. You've probably heard the phrase antibiotic resistance at least once, but perhaps don't quite know what it means. Antibiotics are amazing, nothing short of a medical marvel, but their overuse and misuse is putting their effectiveness at risk, to the point that we might one day lose them. Their their overuse is widespread as well. It's not only humans who are overusing antibiotics, but also animals, specifically farmed animals. It's kind of scary, and there's a lot to unpack here. So what better than to get a science educator to talk us through what all this means. Animal Matters is SAFE's weekly podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts from. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe, leave a rating, and share with a friend. For now, though, here's my corridor with Dr. Heather Hendrickson. Thank you for joining me today. Obviously, here to talk about antibiotic resistance, which is quite a big thing within animal farming. Well, the use of antibiotics is is pretty widespread in in animal agriculture. So, to begin with, what is antibiotic resistance? What does it mean? So, antibiotics are the basically the poisons that we use to kill bacteria, uh, and they are. They are from bacteria poisoning one another and from fungi um, poisoning bacteria. So antibiotics are um, drugs or chemicals that we've discovered over the past um, probably 80 or 90 years now that allow us to um, kill bacteria. And they're from the microbiological world for the most part. Um, so they're part of that, that warfare that takes place between microorganisms in, in um, the world all around us. Antibiotic resistance is what takes place when um, a mutation or a different version of a gene is acquired by a bacterium and that allows it to um, resist either being killed or being um, slowed down by the ant- that particular antibiotic. Um, one of the kinds of amazing things about bacteria and one of the things that I've um, studied when I was a PhD student is the process of horizontal gene transfer. And this is actually this almost superpower that bacteria have that allows them to um, not only contribute um, the DNA or the genes that allow them to be resistant to antibiotics to their progeny. So when they replicate and divide, um, they can give them they can give those abilities to their progeny, but they can also give those abilities to a completely unrelated bacteria. And the way that I relate this to like what this would be like for us if we were able to do this horizontal gene transfer thing that bacteria can do is that it would be like if you were walking down the sidewalk and a seagull swooped by and sneezed on you. And the next morning you might wake up with a gigantic pair of feathered wings. And that's basically what horizontal gene transfer is, but on on the microbial world scale. So not all things that are transferred around are necessarily going to be um, antibiotic resistance genes. They could be, you know, the ability to eat a new kind of sugar or the ability to make a different version of your cell ball. Um, but that's one of the things that's, that's 
really particular about the way that bacteria evolve and um, is one of the reasons that it's so important that we're careful about the way that we use antibiotics. So if we use antibiotics and we use them when it's not necessary to use them, we can increase the, um, the positive benefit for bacteria to acquire new antibiotic resistance um, traits. Right. Okay. So what are the, the main drivers of antibiotic resistance? Basically misusing um, antibiotics or, or using them at all. So um, when we use antibiotics, um, most of the antibiotics that we take when we take antibiotics kind of go right through our systems, right? And end up in the water, end up in the soil. And um, that gives the bacteria an impetus, if you will, to um, if one of them has a resistance to that particular antibiotic, that will, you know, change the, basically the, the benefit, the cost benefit um, ratio for that organism to have that resistance um, trait. So sometimes resistance is costly, but if resistance, if you're suddenly in a situation where re- resistance gives you an, an, a leg up against all of the guys that you're competing with, then um, you are more likely, if you have that resistance, um, either by mutation or by horizontal gene transfer, you're the guy that's going to do well. So you could almost imagine like um, a bowl of, of uh, bacteria. And if you pour a bunch of antibiotics into that bowl, then the bacteria that aren't resistant are all going to die. And only the ones that are resistant by either mutation or by this transfer um, process, those are the ones that are going to replicate in that bowl. And you can think of that bowl as, you know, the groundwater um, that we're exposing ourselves to or the, the population of bacteria that are inside of me or the population of bacteria that are inside um, an animal that we might be exposing antibiotics to. Like that, that bowl um, is where we're tossing all of these antibiotics. And the, the more um, reason we give bacteria to prosper if they do have resistance, the more antibiotic resistance we're selecting for in the environment. And that's, that's really the issue with using antibiotics. Right. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way. It's, we can draw some extraordinary benefits from using antibiotics, but we use them too much. We're giving some of this bacteria more of a reason to adapt or more that they're being selected much more strongly is it kind of like a survival of the fittest sort of sort of thing definitely yeah so if you if you put them in a if you put bacteria in a situation where having antibiotic resistance is the only way to survive those are the only guys that will survive and so it's a it's a straight up natural selection thing and then there are these two different mechanisms by which they might acquire antibiotic resistance one is by random mutations that take place naturally as they replicate and grow and the second one is this idea that they can like that swooping seagull like just randomly inherit a piece of DNA that happens to have an antibiotic resistance um, gene on it. And the thing about antibiotics, you know, to say it's a double-edged sword is completely um, perfect, really, because we think, based on um, the estimates from from people that are able to look at these things on a population level, that the, the ability that we have as modern humans to have antibiotics in our toolbox for medicine um, probably extends our life um, maybe as much as by like 20 years for each person. So the scary thing 
today about this idea that we are seeing all of this resistance kind of evolving naturally because of the way that we unnaturally use antibiotics. Um, we're really, the concern is that we're being kind of pulled back into a world that is before antibiotics, you know, the kind of world that people would have been in a hundred years ago when someone could, you know, scratch their finger and potentially um, die of an infection that today we just give them some antibiotics and they're going to be fine. So it's, it's really this kind of precious tool that we have um, that if we overuse that tool, we it, it is going to be taken from us basically by the process of natural selection. Mm. A considerable amount of antibiotics are used routinely in um, animal agriculture and especially intensive farming as a preventative measure for uh, for bacteria that could infect those animals. Why is this the case? It is pretty easy to use antibiotics. Um, it is very simple to use antibiotics by, by putting um, tons and tons of them into animal feed. And that's essentially what we've been doing um, in New Zealand and around the world in cases where we want to keep animals alive and keep them healthy so that they're not getting diseases as a result of being raised in very concentrated um, settings. If you just put antibiotics in their feed, then they're less likely to get those types of infections. Um, if you didn't put those antibiotics in the feed, you might see a lot of animals getting um, becoming ill because of the concentrated conditions in which they're being raised. So it's very simple to add antibiotics, and then you don't have to worry so much about animals getting um, sick. And of course, you know, veterinarians and a lot of people that raise animals certainly do not want to see their animals getting sick. So this has been a pretty easy way of avoiding um, the consequences of raising animals at high concentrations. It appears to be a problem um, within animal agriculture, and uh, it appears to be a problem for for human use as well. I mean, there has been a lot of talk about the overprescription of antibiotics to humans. Is it... Is, are they equally a big, as big of a problem? Like, do we need to be addressing antibiotic use in humans as well as in animals? Or um, is one a greater problem than the other? I mean, I think these are both problems. Um, so right now, I don't have the statistics on which of these causes more resistance. Um, but we are certainly over-prescribing antibiotics to people. And we are certainly um, over uh, using antibiotics in, um, in animal agriculture. So I think that they're both problematic. Um, they need to be solved by dramatically different means, right? Like, so for each one of us, I think it's our responsibility when we speak to our healthcare provider, if we have something that is not caused by a bacterium, so if we have a cold or a flu, those are caused by viruses. And viruses are not um, affected by antibiotics at all. And so if you have something like a cold or a flu and you go to your healthcare provider and you say, well, I've showed up at your office today and I basically want to walk, walk away with a prescription for something, um, or if we pressure uh, medical providers in that way, then we end up contributing to over the overuse of antibiotics. And that is certainly something that is on each of us as individuals to make sure that we are not putting our healthcare providers in that situation where they feel like, man, this person is a pain. I'm just going to write them a prescription for an antibiotic and get them out of my hair. 
Um, that's, there's a personal responsibility for each one of us, I think. Um, in terms of turning the tide on the amount of antibiotic that's used in agriculture, there are, I think, very different sorts of levers that need to be pulled in order to solve that kind of a problem. Um, I, I think one potential solution that would be, uh, great would be, you know, just letting consumers know when antibiotics have been used in the feed of animals as kind of a default to just keep those animals alive in the conditions that they're being raised in. So I think labeling is at least one positive step. Um, there's, I think, an increasing amount of awareness on the part of the public that, you know, antibiotics are precious and we need to conserve them. Um, in the same way that we need to think about, you know, conserving um, wildlife or conserving, you know, natural spaces or conserving any of these other things that we're, you know, concerned about. Antibiotics are something that we are absolutely reliant on and we, we have to change the, we have to turn the tide of antibiotic use. Um, one way to think about the consequences of inaction is that um, the estimates coming from economists at this point are that if we don't turn away from the overuse of antibiotics soon, <laughs> then we're going to end up in a situation by 2050 where um, we will lose 10 million people a year globally to antibiotic-resistant infections. And that's more than the, that's significantly more than the number of people that we lose now to cancer. So if you think about how devastating it would be to lose that number of people because we've lost the ability to use antibiotics, I think um, weighing that against, you know, being able to buy cheap chicken or being able to walk out of your doctor's office with with a prescription. I mean, it's there's just there's no contest. Like there, it is very clear that we need to change the way that we're using antibiotics, and we need to consider new ways of educating the public, new ways of raising animals, new ways of um, fighting infections in hospitals, and um, consider some new types of therapy. So essentially, across the board, if we don't start using antibiotics less, literally our toys are going to be taken off us. Like it's. What, and you mentioned other potential therapies. Is there anything in, like, obviously we don't want to get to a situation where we can't use antibiotics anymore, but say if that does happen, is there anything in the pipeline that is a potential um, replacement or a thing so dire that this is all we've got? So antibiotics are an amazing um, tool. And part of the reason that they have been so... Um, embraced basically by medicine is that they are very general. So there are many antibiotics that we can use that can fight many different types of infections. And um, there are many organisms on the planet that are producing antibiotics and antibiotic-like um, substances that we could harvest and use, right? So we could discover many more antibiotics. They are certainly out there. Um, the problem right now is that there is no uh, encouragement basically for research and development into antibiotics that are novel antibiotics um, on the part of the pharmaceutical companies. And part of the reason for that is that there's no money in it. So there's so much money that has to go into developing a new antibiotic that by the time they get it to market, the bacteria have started to, to turn up resistant 
um, to those antibiotics. And so they're not useful for all that long. So antibiotics are cheap <laughs> and antibiotics are um, have a relatively short uh, lifespan when it comes to uh, being able to be used before we see huge amounts of uh, resistance evolving in bacterial populations because of the way that we use them right now. So, you know, we can try <laughs> to encourage pharmaceutical companies to do more research and development into um, novel types of antibiotics and new types of therapies. But, but the motivation for that is not going to be strictly economic, right? Like a, a pharmaceutical company is going to make a lot more money by, you know, finding ways of expand, of extending the human lifespan um, in other ways uh, for wealthy people, rather than um, putting a lot of money into uh, research and development when these things aren't going to be useful for that long. So that is a that is a real problem. Um, one of the one of the potential solutions that I really like and um, a direction that my laboratory is interested in at this point is the idea of using the viruses that are able to kill bacteria in order to um, kill bacteria. So there are um, an estimated 10 to the 30 bacteria on the planet. Uh, there are an estimated t 10 bacteriophages or the viruses of bacteria for every bacteria on the planet. So 10 times more of these viruses than there are bacteria. Um, I love the idea of finding ways of using either bacteriophages, these viruses that kill bacteria, or using um, bacteriophage products to um, as a new type of therapy. And we are increasingly seeing um, cases around the world where that type of therapy therapy is being um, allowed, especially in in cases. Well, it's 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 allowed in the U.S. Um, in like prepackaged foods and stuff like that now to to bring down um, the numbers of potentially virulent bacteria on pro food products. Um, but we're also starting to see cases where bacteriophages are being administered to people in instances where they are infected with bacteria that have, you know, as many as 40 different types of antibiotic resistance, but there are bacteriophages that can be found that can still kill those bacteria, even though they're highly resistant to antibiotics. So we're starting to see cases where um, lives are being saved by bacteriophages. And um, my laboratory in particular is interested in um, this as a way of uh, protecting honeybees. So uh, for the past two years, we've been finding bacteriophages that can kill a pathogen of honeybees called um, Penibacillus larvae. And Penibacillus larvae causes a disease called penny, um, caused American Falbrood. So we're in the process of finding um, bacteriophages. And here in New Zealand, we've found 34 of these bacteriophages so far that um, in other places it's been demonstrated that you can protect a hive. So you can take a, a beehive that might be susceptible to American foul brood. You can put these bacteriophages in the hive and then that hive is um, much less likely or, or not observed to obtain uh, this infection, even if there is American foul brood or this infectious organism in the area. So we're really interested in bacteriophages as um, one of the ways in the future that we might be able to fight bacterial infections, whether those bacterial infections are resistant to antibiotics or not. I've heard when the use of antibiotics is questioned within um, intensive farming, quite often producers and the industry will point to the specific antibiotics that they use. And they might say that um, these aren't commonly used in humans in New Zealand or overseas. 
therefore it's fine. What's, what do you make of that argument? So uh, the way that bacteria become resistant to antibiotics varies with the antibiotic uh, class or the type of way that the, the um, antibiotic poisons the bacteria. But one common way that a lot of bacteria will become resistant to specific antibiotics is by um, having specific little pumps on the outside of their cell walls or their, their membranes that if the antibiotic enters by whatever route, the, the pump has a way of recognizing the antibiotic and tossing it out again. And I guess one of the um, issues in terms of the evolution of resistance is that those pumps can be specific or they can be not so specific. So if you are exposing um, bacteria to antibiotics that um, allow them or, or um, influence them to become resistant by developing pumps, those pumps can, deve- can develop and, and put out the particular antibiotic that you're using that isn't used for human medicine, but it can also um, pump out other types of antibiotics that are important for human medicine. So just because the antibiotic or the drug that you're using isn't used in human medicine doesn't mean that you aren't having an effect on the resistance of those bacteria in human medicine um, or the resistance that they have to drugs that are important for human medicine. So that's not really a guarantee. What's the risk if the use of antibiotics and intensive farm specifically, continues unabated? Well, the, the risk is that we, we lose these antibiotics that we need for human medicine. Um, and, you know, so the, the World Health, Health Organization puts out a list of, of which antibiotics are important at this stage for human medicine, and that list is changing. Um, as, we, as some of the antibiotics that we rely on right now are, are um, increasingly useless because we're seeing these high levels of antibiotic resistance. Anything that we use in agriculture, anything that we're encouraging bacteria to become resistant um, to um, is, is affecting our ability to use antibiotics in the future. So whatever state we're at right now, there just isn't a guarantee that we're going to stay that way. Um, and the thing that we cannot stop, the thing that we cannot control is the evolution of bacteria. So they are going to continue to get mutations. They are going to continue to develop resistance to antibiotics as we use them. And they're going to continue to experience this um, process of horizontal gene transfer. And there is nothing that we can do about that. That is a natural process that is going to continue. The only thing that we can change is the way that we value antibiotics and the, the kinds of legislation or the kinds of um, pressure that we put on um on growers to not use those antibiotics. So we can't control the bacteria, but what we can control is ourselves. So we can control the way that we use antibiotics. And I think that that's, that's critical. I don't expect you to be a, an expert in, in animal agriculture. So um, I apologize for this next question in advance, but essentially what I'm, what I gather is we need to stop or like, like increasingly limits the amount of antibiotics that we use, including on, on, on farms. What would that mean for animal agriculture? What, you know, what kind of adjustments the, the, the farmers that, that raise animals for food have to make so they don't use these antibiotics? So I'm, I, yeah, I'm not an expert on animal agriculture, but my understanding is that it's the concentration at which we're growing, um, or that we're, um, sustaining these animals that is problematic and that puts them at risk for disease. 
So the consequences of using fewer antibiotics in agriculture, especially the kinds of antibiotics that we're just putting into their feed, um, in the case in New Zealand, at least, especially of chickens and um, pigs. So if we were to decrease the numbers of antibiotics that we were using in those types of circumstances, then we would have to grow or, um, sorry, we would have to, is, what's the right term, grow? It's not grow these animals, it's farm. <laughs> then we would have to farm <laughs> these animals. Farm them, raise them. Raise yeah. them, raise is better than grow. I keep saying grow. Uh, we would have to raise these animals in conditions where they are not at high concentrations. And that means that the farmers need more space. The animals need more space. Um, they, they might need to change the way that they're feeding the animals and, and keeping the animals and allowing the animals to, to sleep. So there are all of these um, changes that would need to be made. So instead of having, you know, battery hens, we need hens that are actually in um, a more comfortable environment. And that's going to be expensive. And so what that means is that for people who um, choose to eat um, the, the products of animal farming, they're going to have to pay more money for those products. And, you know, if the cost is losing antibiotics, I think that there are a lot of people who would be very happy to pay more money in order to know that the welfare of the animals is being uh, maintained at a higher standard and that their purchase of those kinds of products isn't going to lead to a future where that's unsustainable, essentially, where, you know, our... our our children aren't going to have the opportunity to use antibiotics. They're going to live shorter lives. Like if it's the cost of cheap chicken or knowing that your grandchildren are going to live shorter, meaner lives because they're afraid of infections. I think it's, it's a no brainer. I think for, for most um, reasonable people, that's a very reasonable price to pay. So I think you have to consider, um, paying more money as a consumer in order to know that you're not having these kinds of unsustainable consequences on, um, on the future. Um, well, I'm sufficiently terrified. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hopeless. I don't think that this is hopeless. I think that like raising awareness and, you know, speaking to the public and speaking to politicians and saying, look, these are our choices. We have to decide what we value. Um, I don't think it's hopeless. And I, I think it's just a matter of um, getting the word out. And I think, you know, antibiotic labeling in in agricultural products would be a great first step. Um, well, thank you for your time. And um, thank you for the work that you do. Um, it's I feel better now <laughs> after that disclaimer. <laughs> but, um, and we should all be nicer to our doctors when they don't want to prescribe us with something. <laughs> It must be so difficult to be a doctor and have people just crawling for, for prescriptions to something. I actually, I heard a, a podcast recently and they were saying that there were um, prescription pads that just said, yes, you do have an infection and you are sick. <laughs> you don't get any antibiotics. <laughs> so just give that to people and it's be like, you are definitely sick and I gave you a piece of paper that says so. Yeah, yeah. Go rest. <laughs> Take some Panadol. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by Safe for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation and produced by myself, Will Appleby. 
Make sure you subscribe to stay across animal matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, Mateo.